Ladies and gentlemen, the President of the United States of America. If we had time, I'd take you over to the residence where I live. And when you were over at Blair House, uh, the uh, President Truman was there because they were redoing the White House. He put a whole the Truman balcony that exists now because of Blair House being available. That, uh, that second balcony you see, the first balcony you see going up. So, at any rate. This has been the President of the United States of America. May God have mercy on our souls. Stu does America. All right. Well, we know we need anyone but Biden for president. You can get your T-shirts, your mugs at studosmerch.com. Looks like a Biden 24 shirt, but in reality, it says anyone but Biden 24. Use the code Stu10 for 10% off. If you're watching on YouTube, like the video right now. Subscribe to the channel. Drop a comment below. Hit the bell for notifications. Do all the things. We appreciate it. Lauren Chen is in the house to share her thoughts on the sorry state of our country. Elliot Page. Elliot Page has shed some interesting light on the process of transitioning genders, which is incredibly disturbing. We'll look at that, but not too closely. Don't worry. But we start by doing Indictment 2, the sequel. Yes, here we are watching. It's just like Airplane 2, which if you remember Airplane 2, the movie, it's called Airplane 2, the sequel. And it is almost identical to Airplane 1. It's, I've never, it's one of the most incredible things. They made Airplane 1. And then they decided they're going to make a sequel because the first one was successful. So they made Airplane 2 the sequel. And I don't know, I don't know, 80% of the jokes are the exact same jokes. They just repeat them in the second one, which is just, I thought, incredible. And I've always fascinated me since I was a kid. Here we are with Indictment 2, the sequel, and we're getting a lot of the same uh, lines, aren't we? Now, I know this huge corruption story is going on today, and we want to make sure you know that the president did address it. Here's what he said. The bribery allegation, Congresswoman Nancy May says there's damning evidence in the FBI file that you sold out the country. Do you have a response to congressional Republicans? Where's the money? I'm joking. Mr. President, Mr. It's President, 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 it's a bunch of malarkey. Ah, it's a bunch of malarkey. That's, it's not the story everyone else is talking about. It's a big one, though, and we do need to talk about this one quite a bit. Uh, it just seems like it's just they're going to try to, like, Put this one right under the carpet. Why look at the sweep it right under the carpet and everything will be fine. Well, we're going to get to that story here as more information comes out about the potential bribes that Joe Biden was taking. But uh, allegedly, allegedly, boys and girls, we don't have enough information on that one yet to do anything, of course. No, no, we only have, you know, a laptop with thousands of pictures of Hunter Biden breaking the law. But let's get to the indictment that happened today to Donald Trump. Justice Department charges Trump in a documents case. Yes, the exciting political intrigue of document storage. Very exciting. The Justice Department on Thursday took the legally and politically momentous step of lodging federal criminal charges against President Donald Trump, former President Donald Trump, accusing him of mishandling classified documents he kept upon leaving office and then obstructing the government's efforts to reclaim them. Mr. Trump confirmed on his social media platform that he had been indicted. The charges against him include willfully retaining national defense secrets in violation of the Espionage Act making false statements and a conspiracy to obstruct justice, according to two people familiar with the matter. Now, today, before we got the show started, the indictment came out, and we're going to go through a good chunk of this year so you know what's in it. And you might say, well, I don't care what's in it because it's not interesting to me. But you do need to know this because people are going to bring this stuff up to you. They're going to make their arguments. And it's important to understand what 
it's based on. What are they trying to do? We'll go through this. We'll pick it apart a little bit and show you where the truth is and, and where it goes off the rails here in just a couple of minutes. But I, I should point out right off the top, and I want to be consistent on this point because I've been consistent on this point since the beginning of all of this. This goes back to Donald Trump and these documents here, Joe Biden with his documents next to his super cool Corvette. All the time we've been talking about documents over the past year or so. Here's what I've been telling you. I don't really care. I frankly don't really care all that much if the president of the United States leaves office and has a few documents with him. I don't really care. It's not all that interesting to me. These are documents that he saw while in office. They were documents many times sent to him, presented to him. They were his documents. Now, the law does absolutely say when you leave office, those documents are supposed to remain with the with the uh, with uh, the government so they can guard those records for history and, you know, and so many other reasons. I get that. I'm not saying uh, legally he's not going to have problems here. We'll get into this in a minute. He may very well have legal problems associated with this. But as a bigger part of this argument, do you care? Do you honestly care if Joe Biden has a few documents from the time he was vice president in his garage? I care if he's using those documents for reasons of bribery. I care if he's selling the documents to our uh, enemies. I care if he's using them to blackmail someone. I care. There's a lot of reasons I could care in theory about that story, but none of that seems to be part of this. It's just, hey, he put them in places we didn't like. They weren't secure enough, though I would argue, I don't know, closets inside of Mar-a-Lago are not entirely easy to steal things from, but okay, I guess he should have had them somewhere else. Um, and uh, that he didn't give them back when they asked. Well, he did give a bunch of them back, but not all of them, and that, I guess, is the problem here. So i just be clear with you. The, the baseline foundation of the story I really don't care about. Other story, like if Donald Trump actually had sexually assaulted this writer in, in a Bergdorf dressing room many years ago, I would care about that. That is a story that I would care about. I didn't believe it after looking at the evidence, but if I did believe it, I would care. I, if I do believe that he stored documents in a bathroom, I really just don't care all that much. So you should just be clear that's where I'm coming from. Now, if he had, if Donald Trump had a threesome with a Chinese spy and Eric Swalwell. And then after everything was done, he gave the Chinese spy a bunch of documents. I might be a little upset, but frankly, not that worried about it, honestly. So that's just my stance on that. Um, look, no president should be above the law. That is something that everyone says and of course is true. But we also shouldn't use the, the law to crush a president below the weight of all of the government crashing down against them. And that is so often what has happened with Donald Trump over and over and over again. You know, presidents shouldn't get special rights per se. They should at least get equal rights and they shouldn't be constantly targeted by the apparatus of the government. No citizen should be, to be clear. But presidents, you know, it's really obvious when you do it to them. And that's why everyone seems to notice. We, of course, also notice that every time they bring a case against Trump, if you were to take all the cases they brought against Trump, 
and you put them on a timeline and you, you kind of charted them below 100 days in, 200 days in, 300 days in. At this point in all of the investigations, they all told you they had unbelievable evidence that you would never imagine a president being responsible for. And that this guy was probably going to be in prison in two weeks. They always say that. And of course, usually it doesn't live up to those standards. We will see. Uh, as we go on, uh, whether this one does, of course, you know, I don't think it's going to. And I will say, I don't even think it's about that, right? They don't actually care whether a president was storing documents in rooms they didn't approve. That is not something the American people get all that fired up about. What they want is Donald Trump to not become president again. Let me give you an example of this. Here's Rachel Maddow trying her best to not say that's the real reason she's talking about this, but kind of saying it anyway. You have to wonder if the Justice Department is considering whether there is some political solution to political this criminal solution. problem, whether yeah. part of the issue here is not just that Trump has committed crimes, right. but that Trump has committed crimes and plans on being back in the White House. Oh. Do they consider as part of a potential plea offer I don't know. something that would prescribe him, proscribe him from 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 running for office again? I, again, I don't know. I mean, it could be. What, what if we just said, hey, we won't charge you if you drop out of the race? What about that? Does that sound like a cool idea? Would you think you'd go along with that? What do you think? I mean, they, they're really wearing their goals on their sleeves here. Um, now, of course, Trump's reaction to this was to say he did not agree with it. Uh, he said this is election interference at the highest level. One interesting twist for today. We had uh, the Trump, Trump's lawyers go on television last night. Trump's lawyers on TV last night describing their problems with this and how they don't think this is right and blah, 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 defending Trump. And then today, those lawyers are gone. Uh, Trump lawyers have quit the classified documents case. They're out. Now, we don't know if Trump really didn't want them anymore, and so they bowed out, or if they didn't want to be involved anymore. We don't know the details there. But, you know, when something like this happens, you don't want the next story to be that your lawyers, your legal defense have actually left. Unless you think they've done a terrible job, and maybe that's what Donald Trump believes. We do have the indictment now. Here's what it looks like. Fancy, fancy, fancy. Lots of pages. It was, I think, 53 pages, something like that. Um, I want to read to you uh, parts of it. Uh, you know, we went through all of it and, you know, cut out a bunch of the fluff here. But let me give you a, you know, the type of stuff that is in there. First of all, we've heard rumors of what these documents actually were. The, the indictment does try a little bit to outline what those documents were. Here's what it says. The classifying documents Trump stored in his boxes included information regarding defense and weapons capabilities of both the United States and foreign countries, United States nuclear programs, potential vulnerabilities of the United States and its allies to military attack, and plans for possible retaliation in response to a foreign attack. The unauthorized disclosure of these classified documents could put at risk the national security of the United States. Could. Um, foreign relations, the safety of the United States military and human sources, and the continued viability of sensitive intelligence collection methods. Now, you notice they list a bunch of things there, uh, like nuclear programs, vulnerabilities of the U.S. Uh, and its military, et cetera, et cetera, and then say if this happened to fall into foreign hands, it could be a real problem. They're not saying it did fall into car uh, foreign hands. They're not even alleging that Donald Trump was trying to give it to anyone in foreign hands. They're just saying if it did, this would be a problem. This is at some level a pretty good point, right? Like if we just start, like if he left out these documents on the lawn, for example, or he just you know, fax them by mistake to media sources uh, or uh, foreign governments, 
probably would be a problem. We don't necessarily want our uh, enemies to see this stuff. But of course, there's no accusation that that actually occurred. They're just saying that in theory, it could have happened and that would have been bad. This is essentially why they wanted the documents back. Some of them were important documents. And uh, that, of course, goes to our next clip here from the indictment. Now, this is talking about Mar-a-Lago, they call them Mar-a-Lago guests. Um, now, they were not necessarily Mar-a-Lago guests as much as they were people who were writing about the presidency of Donald Trump and other um, uh, cabinet and administration officials. In July 2021, at the Trump National Golf Club in Bedminster, New Jersey, uh, during an audio-recorded meeting with a writer, we're going to go through this audio clip here in a minute so you understand what it says, but basically it says they Trump showed and described a plan of attack that Trump was prepared for him by uh, what we now know as General Milley. Trump told the uh, individuals that the plan was highly confidential and secret. He said, now, I, I can't, you know, because this is still secret. He said he could have declassified it, but didn't. In August or September 2021, Trump showed a representative of his political action committee who did not possess a security clearance, a classified map related to the military operation. So that's the type of stuff they're talking about when they're talking about documents. Why would Donald Trump show his, you know, a biographer, uh, a clip, uh, you know, some plan from Mark Milley about, um, how to invade Iran or how it would, Iran would invade our uh, area. That could be something that would be a problem if that person was some foreign spy. And we have no evidence that they were and probably weren't. Um, uh, this comes to the more details come from CNN politics. Exclusive Donald Trump admits on tape he didn't declassify secret information. This is really like big gotcha of the day. They got him on tape saying this. So let me go through what is actually on this tape so you understand what it is. Uh, here's what he said, quote, well, with Milley, uh, let me see that. Uh, I'll show you an example. He said that I wanted to attack Iran. Isn't that amazing? I have a big pile of papers. This thing just came up. Look, this was him, Trump says, according to the transcript. They pre presented me this, this off the record, but they presented me this. This was him. This was the Defense Department and him. We looked at some. This was him. This wasn't done by me. This was him. A little repetitive. This is, of course, how Donald Trump speaks. But what he's saying there is, okay, Millie gave me this plan to invade Iran. What he's doing here is trying to defend himself against charges in the media that Millie was making and rumored to make that Donald Trump wanted to invade Iran. He's bringing up this document saying, see, here's proof that that's not true. It was actually Milley who wanted to do it. Trump continues, all sorts of stuff, pages long. Look, wait a minute, let me see here. I just found, isn't that amazing? This totally wins my case, you know, except it's like highly confidential, secret. This is secret information. Look, look at this. So there's Trump acknowledging, hey, this is secret. This was confidential. Getting on tape what, of course, the uh, DOJ wanted was him admitting he knew it was secret the entire time. Goes on, however, foreign, uh, former President Donald Trump acknowledged on tape 2021, meaning had he had retained secret military information. He says, as president, I could have declassified, but now I can't, Trump says, according to the transcript. So the two things that they, a couple places where Trump pushed back against this investigation was to say, look, this was not something... Um, that I knew about. This was not highly classified, important information. It was not secret. And even if it was, I had already declassified that. Well, in this tape, they basically pushed back against both of those things. He said he had, hadn't declassified it. He could have, but he didn't. And it was really secret, and he knew it was really secret. Again, that's the big uh, claim against him uh, here. Now, of course, Trump brags a lot. He says a lot of things that necess aren't necessarily true. We know that every one of his buildings is not the most build beautiful building ever built because he owns multiple buildings. They can't all be the best. So 
the, we know that sometimes he brags and he goes into this. That's not my this defense. And of course, the awareness of everyone in America that he says stuff like that is not going to help him in court. Uh, but it is, of course, the reality of the situation. And that is what they say is on the tape. Again, we haven't heard the tape. We only have the transcript from the indictment. Uh, here's a couple uh, other things. This is the obstruction when they're trying to get into obstruction. Uh, with Trump. They say Trump t- uh, was supposed to turn over all documents with classification mar- uh, markings. Trump endeavored to obstruct the FBI and grand jury investigations and conceal his continued retention of classified documents by, among other things, a list here, uh, suggesting his attorney falsely represent to the FBI and grand jury that Trump did not have documents called for by the grand jury subpoena, directing defendant Wal- Waltine Nada to move boxes of documents to conceal them from Trump's attorney, suggesting that his attorney hide or destroy documents and called for by the grand jury subpoena, providing to the FBI, the grand jury, subpoena, uh, grand jury some of the documents, not all, and cert- uh, causing a certification to be submitted to the FBI and grand jury, falsely representing that all documents called for by the grand jury subpoena have been produced. So he said, you know, he talked about potentially not having these documents. He talked about maybe not giving them up, saying that they had them when they didn't. That's kind of the accusation here. Now, now, Walt Nada is a name you might not know, but he has been indicted as well. Trump aide Walt Nada indicted in classified documents case. The main reason I highlight this is you heard a lot before all this came out about a conspiracy, a conspiracy to hide these documents. I, I, I kid you not. The conspiracy is between Donald Trump and Walt Nada because Walt Nada actually moved the boxes. That's the conspiracy. One person was super duper evil, Donald Trump. And then secondarily, Walt Nada moved the boxes for him. There's your criminal conspiracy. I I guess if Trump had just only moved the boxes himself, like I'm sure he does all the time, everything would have been fine. Um, This is probably the the part they're trying to get to, um, to talk about maybe the most. Trump attorney, too, told Trump that they needed to search for documents that would be responsive to the subpoena and provide a certification that there had been compliance with the subpoena. Trump, in some and substance, not quotes, by the way, in some and substance, made the following statements, among others, as memorialized by Trump attorney one. Now, if you've watched Law & Order, you may know that when you're talking to your attorney about a criminal case, Usually that stuff's supposed to be behind attorney-client privilege. This is definitely going to be one of the defenses the Trump administration or the Trump campaign is making here. Wait a minute. I told that. First of all, I didn't say that. I'm sure they're going to say. But if it, even if I did say that, it would be said to my attorney, which is privileged. Here's the, thing, the things they're, they're saying he, uh, he said. Trump said, I don't want anybody looking. I don't want anyone looking through my boxes. I really don't. I don't want you looking through my boxes to his attorney. Also, well, what if we, what happens if we just don't respond at all or don't play ball with them? And he said, would it be better if we just told him we don't have anything here? Well, look, isn't it better if there are no documents? Now, these are all, if that's true, these are arguments he's tossing around with his attorneys the best way to respond to that. Now, look, you can't say those things. You can't lie to the government. But it's very common when you're thinking of how the hell do I get out of this situation? What if we just say we don't have them? That's something you might say to your attorney. The whole point of attorney-client privilege is so you can toss those things around. And uh, if they're terrible ideas, you dismiss them. But apparently, somehow, we don't know how, this information got from this attorney conversation to the government. We will uh, track that one down, of course. Now, the Espionage Act is kind of silly here. It's just about, uh, I mean, look, 
when you think about uh, espionage, you think about spying and intrigue. This is about storage of documents. They don't, they're not saying any of this stuff went to foreign people, foreign spies. They just like the word espionage because the word willful is included and they can use the word espionage. We will say uh, if we will see if that actually holds up. Now, remember, this is Biden's DOJ attacking Trump. All this is all about evidence and, and actions that happened when Biden was president. So this is not something that happened like with the the Trump or excuse me, the Biden uh, corruption that we were talking about at the beginning of this monologue, which happened while he was vice president and now is being investigated by uh, the Biden DOJ. Not necessarily going all that well, but at least there's some reason to think that he could not get an unfair uh, shake here. Trump is his opponent. And they continue to go down this road, even though this happened after he was out of office and they continue to go after him. Now, look, all the media coverage and attention is going to help Trump in the primary. That we know. How does it help him in the general? That's another question. And it's one we're going to have to deeply think about over the next uh, six to eight months, because if Donald Trump gets to be the candidate, he's going to have to impress a bunch of moderates who might not be following this stuff as closely as you are. And that's why we really need to know the facts of it so we can inform people about it. Um, and the question for the Democrats is, what happens if Trump does win? You treat him like this? You've done all this stuff? What happens when he wins? He's going to go after everybody. And that means they will use everything in their power to prevent him from getting in that Oval Office again. Everything. They cannot let that happen now. It's a long, long road ahead. We're going to talk about this more with Lauren Chen. She joins us next. No matter what you have going on, Box of Awesome is a great gift for you, for anyone else, for Father's Day, a fantastic gift. We're talking from camping gear essentials, cookout must-haves, drink game upgrades. That's got a great set of uh, whiskey glasses from Box of Awesome. Uh, the collections are really uh, for every part of your life. You can just take a quiz at boxofawesome.com. Your answers will help them pick the right Box of Awesome for you. I have, a, I have this here. This is uh, one of the cooler bags that they gave us. Awesome cooler, really uh, just a great, you know, throw it over your shoulder type of cooler. Um, as a person who goes to 975 Wiffle, uh, or excuse me, Little League games per day, day in the summer this has been crucial you throw your drinks in there you keep them cool for hours and hours and hours it's a good looking bag and it's got uh, you know lots of storage you can keep the ice nice and cold it's just a great thing to have and they're sending this stuff i don't think i would have even known about this brand these are smaller brands you might not even be aware of but you get box of awesome you get a nice surprise every month great for your dad get your dad this present Get 20% off your first monthly box when you sign up at boxofawesome.com and enter the code STU at checkout, boxofawesome.com, code STU. I'm a dad. I get it. I know dads like it. It's boxofawesome.com. Code is STU. So it was great to have Lauren Chen in studio. She's the host of Pseudo Intellectual with Lauren Chen right here on Blaze TV. Lauren, how are you? I'm great. Thank you so much for having me. It's great to be back. Yeah, it's great to see you. Um, a crazy day as usual. I don't even need to say that anymore because it's always a crazy day. Uh, give me your initial reactions to the Trump indictment, which just came out uh, here today. Well, I think it's just absolute political theater. I don't think anyone who actually sits down and looks at the evidence, I mean, objectively could say that this is shocking or a threat to democracy. I've seen Trump get referred to as a turncoat. And I think this is all basically just an attempt to discredit him from the upcoming 
upcoming election and to drum up hysteria among Democrats who, I mean, are already thinking that this is like a smoking gun, that everything they ever said about Trump was right. He was probably storing the documents to give to the Russians. And of course, there's no evidence of that. But yeah. they, you know, in the charges, they use the word espionage. So it's it seems much worse than it is. But no, I think this is just a blatant double standard, especially when you look at, you know, Biden's handling of classified information in the garage at his Corvette. Uh, <laughs> no, it's 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 just ridiculous. And I cannot think of a single Republican, especially primary voter who is looking at this and if anything, not supporting Trump even more just because it reveals how much the deep state hates him. Yeah. Uh, it really, you know, the espionage thing is really funny. Uh, it's because it's like every James Bond movie, you got a spy movie and there's always just, it's always about documents stored in a bathroom. Of course. That's what, of course, the not plot being of all transferred <laughs> to anyone, just sitting there, just sitting there yeah. doing absolutely nothing. Um, you know, one of the things they talked about was the motivation. Why would Trump do this? Why would he hold on to these documents? And they see seem to have a tape that shows he held on to it because he was trying to basically disprove critics from inside the government that were leaking things that were false about him, or at least in his perception false, which is totally a Trump thing to do, right? Like, that's exactly what you'd think he'd do. But it seems to show nothing like the promised sale of documents to Russians or Saudi Arabians or anything like that. No, and that's something that's not going to be discussed on mainstream media news. And I think if you look at the reporting, it's very telling how they are trying to paint this in the most negative light possible, especially once again, when you can compared to the fact that Biden is also facing, you know, similar issues, Hillary Clinton and her emails, right? Those were essentially made into nothing burgers, despite those actually, I mean, being at least as serious as what Trump is going through now. Those are not going to be resulting in similar indictments or charges or headlines. Absolutely not. So I think you you can say that, oh, this is something that shouldn't be done. It's like, okay, fair enough. But to say that it's potentially disqualifying for running again, I think it's pretty ridiculous. And I think the only reason that they're actually doing this is specifically to make sure that Donald Trump cannot run in 2024. Yeah, uh, th let's get to that part of it, because I think, in essence, at the bottom line, for Donald Trump himself, this is a legal issue. Right. For everyone else in the United States, this is a political issue, mm -hmm. right? It's just about uh, how this will affect Donald Trump in the primary. Will he be able to run at all? Will he be able to win in the general if he wins uh, the primary? How do you see this playing out? Will it help him in the primary? Will it help him in the general? Will it hurt him in the general? How does this work? So I think this is actually going to help him in the primary because yeah. right now a lot of Republican voters, they're very skeptical of the deep state of Washington and increasingly alphabet agencies. And as someone who has always been more critical of law enforcement as an agent of the state, I actually support that in the conservative movement. You know, I'm not anti-cop, but I think we should rightfully be a little bit critical of those who have power in society, including politicians and yes, including law enforcement, especially federal law enforcement. So I think, you know, Republican voters, especially primary voters, are looking at this and this is making Trump seem even more attractive because, you know, I have my criticisms of how Trump handled his time in office. I don't think he did enough to drain the swamp like he promised. But I think if he gets back into office, he is going to be firing people left and right <laughs> with a vengeance, if for nothing else, than personal vendetta, like never even mind from a policy sandwich. So that's going to be glorious. And I, I hope we get to see that happen. But I think, uh, you know, in I'm not going to go into what I think happened in 2020 and what actual results may have been. But uh, I think this is something that the Democrats are also doing to drum up that left wing anti-Trump hysteria, because I think, you know, they're trying to make Ron DeSantis into Trump 2.0 and paint him as this evil boogeyman. But frankly, it just doesn't play as well. People aren't as keen to hate on DeSantis as they are on Trump. So they're trying trying to scare up their base to get them out of the polls, if not to vote for Biden, then at least against the Republican. And I think this is their way of doing it. It's basically Russiagate, like, 
5.7 now. I forget how many iterations we are. <laughs> exactly. No, you're right. 5.7. Um, so uh, in the primary specifically, like, I think you're right. I, I think the primary voter, a person who's voting in the Republican primary, has seen, has watched every every minute of Russia Gate and, and is, is focused on this stuff and is really frustrated by the weaponization of government against right. Donald Trump. And I think that's completely understandable for someone who's really engaged in this on a day-to-day basis. But like, the the left knows this, right? They know they have to know that this is going to help him in the primary. Are they trying to elevate him in the primary so that he wins the primary because they think they can beat him in the general? So I thought about that as well. But if you look at the polling that's coming out, it doesn't really look like Trump needs to be elevated in order to win the the primaries, right? right? I mean, he's he's, he's winning by a lot. And I I, I like Trump. I like DeSantis. I personally don't like that they seem to be, like the two camps (laughs) at least seem to be so hostile to each other. But I don't think that they they need any help getting him to the general election. So I think they're already eyes on the general election. Meaning Trump. Yeah, meaning Trump. And I think they are already trying to hurt him or bar him from from getting there in the first place. So so you are you at that point right now where you're like because I, I I view Trump as the heavy favorite here. Mm-hmm. I mean, look, if Trump were to lose, I think it would be kind of, it's kind of his to lose. Right. He's right. got it right there. Can he mess it up? Probably. But it would be hard. He'd have to do a lot of things. If you're a sitting president or a former president in this particular case, you have a lot going on for you already. You already control the news cycle. You have all the donors. You have all these things that are at your beck and call. DeSantis is a strong challenger. He's got a really good record. He, he's someone who I think belongs in this race. There are some others as well. How do you, you don't think there's going to be a big challenge for many of these people? I think the biggest challenge would be from Ron DeSantis. I mean, we've also had people like Chris Christie and Pence <laughs> announced, and it's like, I forgot you were alive. Um, don't forget about Doug Burgum. Oh, of course. I, I, I can't believe <laughs> you didn't mention that. Um, but I think, no, this is a, a race between Trump and DeSantis, and I actually think that speaks favorably of where the average Republican is right now in terms of their policy preferences. These are two men who are very aggressive, I guess, in, in their approach to uh, combating the left. I mean, if you look at someone like Chris Christie, I'm sorry, but the appetite is not there for a Chris Christie or a Mitt Romney type of Republican. And I think that's a good thing. So, no, I think this is between Trump and DeSantis and you know, DeSantis, he's been really trying to build his profile on a national level to, I think, varying degrees of success. You know, he did sign that bill in Israel that I think a lot of, especially America First MAG people, did not take kindly to. But I don't think it's his time yet. And I think mm-hmm. a lot of Trump supporters or even maybe just your average Republican voter, they they want someone and they think Trump is the guy to do that right now. It doesn't mean that DeSantis may not be the guy, you know, in, in four years or so, but they know that this is Trump's last chance. And he is going to be, I think, campaigning way more aggressively than DeSantis because of that. Now, I have, I do have a worry that because DeSantis has done so well combating like woke culture that some of his posts on Truth Social lead me to believe that perhaps Trump is almost trying to be more moderate. Like he's right, criticized like, like you know, he, the, the uh, hard pro-life stance as well as some yeah. stuff like what does woke even mean? I don't know if that's a little bit of him being like, I'm less extreme than DeSantis. If that is, that's not the right play here, though. Right, yeah, because, yeah, it does seem he's done a little bit of that. Yeah. It does also seem, though, he he maybe has seen the reaction and not so positive. Yeah. (laughs) I could see this kind of reversing. Um, Let me go over to the woke side of things here for for a minute. We're in Pride Month, by the way. Happy Pride Month. Thank you. Happy Pride Uh, Month to you. you Blessed be. (laughs) Um, I'm fascinated by this time because... 
well, look, I think mostly conservatives are like, look, you do your thing, we'll do our thing. I don't, you know, just leave me alone. And I, and, I, and I think a lot of people have locked themselves into that sort of philosophy over a long time. And there's a lot of criticism of that now because we kind of see that maybe there's a slippery slope happening here that we're falling down very, very quickly. Uh, we saw what happened with this, this guy in uh, Pennsylvania where he's out there for 60 seconds reading a Bible, Bible verse and he gets arrested. And like, this is not something that should happen in a culture that should be friendly to all religions. This is something in a culture that, that is adversarial toward Christianity. No, you're absolutely right. And look, I will call myself out this happens very rarely, so it's a special moment. <laughs> oh, but nice. I was someone who, you know, back in the day, I was like, well, what's the, you know, harm if, like, gay marriage, that's just equality. It doesn't mean we have to have it in a church. Like, who cares? I was very young and stupid. Um, and then, you know, we, we also have things like, oh, the, like, ah, you, as long as you do it in, in your own house, doesn't really affect me, that's fine. I think we are seeing now, though, that you we don't exist as atoms in a culture or in a society. And these activists, especially, who don't really, you know, necessarily represent than the average gay person, um, they are not content to live and let live. Like that philosophy only works if both parties agree to it, but we are mm. dealing with a class of people. Again, I'm talking about activists, not your anyone who happens to be LGBT. Who, who actually demands subservience and allegiance to their agenda. So it's not enough to say, okay, you can do your own thing. No, you have to wave the pride parade flag, right? You actually have to right. uh, embrace it in your corporate culture. It needs to be on your beer cans. It needs to be everywhere. Anything less than that is seen as rejection. I mean, it's basically the personal is political. This, this is a left-wing mantra. And so, you know, when we're up against something like that, then yeah, the slippery slope, it's not just, it's not a logical fallacy. It's an observable pattern in history. And I mean, just think, was it 2012 that gay marriage was legalized and now we have trans kids, right? I mean, Caitlyn Jenner came out as trans seven years ago and she made like waves as the, the first uh, trans uh, cover model. Now it's basically every cover model is trans. Yeah. Like this is all it's happening very, yeah. very quickly. Yeah, it really is. We, we had uh, Jesse Kelly on earlier this week and his new book is he's out. Great. Yeah, he's great. And he, he said something that I thought was really interesting, an interesting way of phrasing this, which is you can't protect freedom by practicing it. Yes. And, and it's, I think that's true, but it's also, I get nervous when we talk about government coming into these situations and doing too much. Mm -hmm. I want to make sure we protect against that. And I want to make sure that we're, you know, I want to make sure that we're fair to everyone who is a sane member of society. Yeah. How do we walk that line? Well, as conservatives, uh, so, you know, you mentioned I, I, I'm nervous when it comes to like government intervention. You don't yeah. want to go the route into authoritarianism. I agree. But I guess my my proposition to conservatives who feel similarly is like, let's be more against left-wing policies than conservative government policies. Does that make sense? Because there are conservatives mm. out there who will fight harder, it seems, against enacting conservative policies than they will opposing liberal policies. <laughs> this would be a nice change. I like this change. Yeah, so, I mean, yeah. and that's the thing. It's like, well, you know, oh, it's against the principle of small government. It's like, do you know how big the government is currently, right? right. How, how much we spend on who knows what, how many alphabet agencies, where is this same amount of, I guess, uh, opposition to government intervention when it comes to all of these other issues. How about you take that and apply it to all of these other issues before we start criticizing what we could actively do to regain ground for the right? That's that's my position there. Yeah. Uh, and when it comes to like, you know, we want to treat sane uh, members of society fairly. Look, I'm not, uh, you know, in favor of Uganda criminalizing same sex relations. I think that is a step too far. But we, we have to make sure that in, in order to be tolerant, we're not actually promoting something that, you know, go, goes against not only Judeo-Christian values, but really the 
the history of, of all civilization. Like these, these are social experiments. Make right. no mistake, and we don't know where we're going to end up. I think pedophilia, but it's mm. it's it's very concerning to say the least. Yeah, and neutrality on something that serious is a value. You are taking, right. you're, yes. you're doing something by not doing something there. Um, uh, last thing for you on on the the Bud Light, the Target stuff that's gone on. Is that the right way to to one of the ways that people can react to this? I mean, we've seen some mixed, I guess, results from that. The Bud Light thing seemed to be really damaging to their brand after doing this. You know, there's been some reports from targets that, that really foot traffic hasn't necessarily dropped since the target stuff st- started. What's the right way to deal with all this? I mean, I don't really, I'm not sure about what Target is saying, but the stock prices speak. Stock to, price has gone down. Yeah, the sure. stock mm-hmm. prices have gone down a lot. And here's the thing, I'm Vivek Ramaswamy. Mm-hmm. Another person who's thrown his hat in yes. for president, uh, he's <laughs> talked about this, you know, uh, so has Elon Musk. Ultimately, shareholders, uh, they do have a responsibility, these corporations, to their shareholders to yeah. do what is financially uh, expedient to, to them. So we need to keep the pressure on until the point where the, the people who are in charge of the marketing, whatever, whoever these people are saying, yes, we need drag queens until they are fired. And uh, that might sound harsh, but look, we are at a point now where it is more acceptable in public life in these corporate cultures to say, yes, uh, we should we should pump these kids full of hormones and like cut off their breasts than it is to say no we should not. So I think that is a very damning representation of our culture right now. And so extreme times call for extreme measures. And I do think like yes, every purchase you make, unfortunately, it is something you should be considering. There are people out there who have products to sell who don't hate you, who aren't yeah. trying to t- trans your kids. Why not support them instead? It's a nice idea. Maybe yeah. you spend money with people who don't hate you. Exactly. Right? Just a crazy idea. Uh, Lauren Chan, host of Pseudo Intellectual with Lauren Chan right here on Blaze TV. Lauren, thanks so much for coming on the program. Thanks for having me. It's always a pleasure. You know, buying or selling a home is really, really important. Uh, when you go through a, an experience like that, you got to make sure you nail it. If you screw that up, you are in serious, serious trouble. Generally speaking, our homes are our biggest investment, and that's a lot of responsibility. You need an agent that takes that seriously, and that's why I always go with realestateagentsitrust.com. Yes, Glenn Beck, of course, started this company many years ago. We've been around for a while now. The best thing, maybe the best part about realestateagentsitrust.com, first of all, it's free to you, so you don't have to worry about paying anything. And they do all the legwork. All the work that you probably should be doing every time you've had a real estate agent in your life, they've already done it. And they know who these people are. They know who the best pe- agents are in your area. They do all the background checks and all the work on their uh, on their performance. And they hook you up with the best agent in your area. It's pretty simple. Realestateagentsitrust.com is the place to go to find the best agent in your area. Realestateagentsitrust.com. Truly uh, disturbing uh, story from the L.A. Times about uh, Ellen Page, the actress, uh, now turned to Elliot Page. Uh, now, of course, it's hard to follow what's going on here because they they misgender her a hundred times in the story. Now, the uh, I think it was this the Daily Caller says Elliot Page says voice in her head told her she was trans after she tried to punch herself to death. That's actually the right headline. The wrong uh, use of the pronouns is in the actual L.A. Times story. Uh, here's what, how they tell the story. One night, he tried to knock himself out. Now, at the time, this was definitely still Ellen Page. So it's definitely wrong, even if you believe in the transition, 
it, it was still a her at this time. It was still Ellen Page at this time. But this is what they say. One night, he tried to knock himself out, took his knuckles to his face, pounded over and over again until bruises formed. For days after, he sat in a lawn chair on the porch, ashamed, his face sore. Then he heard a voice, you don't have to feel this way. Now, We've talked about mental illness and what a big problem this can be. And it's usually a precursor to these type of behavior. Someone who wants to punch themselves in the face to death is not someone who is mentally capable of making a decision like transitioning their gender, especially when the thing convincing you to do it is a voice in your head. We used to all kind of come together and say the voice in your head thing, usually a bad sign. But the medical community doesn't care about that. They just skip over all the big red flags that this is a problem, and they just decide to transition her. Here's the, this is in the LA Times story. It was a small voice in her head, barely discernible, but it kept echoing in his head, they write, a way out. It was as if something in my brain turned around, recalled Paige, now 36. The agonizing voice saying, no, you're not. No, you just, you just, you can't just switch and become very gentle and loving. Oh, maybe I'm trans. Why don't I explore that? Oh, good. Okay. So the voice in her head convinced her she's trans. Within weeks, he'd schedule a Zoom uh, consultation with a doctor over freaking Zoom to discuss top surgery. The procedure was scheduled for November. A month later, he announced to his fans on Instagram who have known him since the release of Juno 13 years prior that his name was Elliot. So uh, a, a very disturbed person starts punching themselves in the face, hears voices in their head, goes on Zoom, and then gets their breasts cut off. That is, that's the, uh, apparently the humanitarian version of this argument. It's a, it's a crazy world we live in, and we, we, need, we need to change things, boys and girls. When you were a kid, you got to eat good, delicious cereal. It was one of the perks of being a kid. Um, but... Then you get older and you got to watch about, you know, carbs and stupid things like sugar and all that stuff you have to think about on a day-to-day basis. Uh, So luckily that has been solved. Magic Spoon is here to bring back the magic, the cereal that you're going to love. They've got a variety pack with four flavors, cocoa, fruity frosted, uh, and peanut butter. And I will say Magic Spoon isn't going to tell you this, but I will tell you this. You probably shouldn't eat the entire box in one sitting. I'm just telling you that because I think, you know, it's a lot better for you than, uh, than the old time stuff. It got zero grams of sugar, 13 to 14 grams of protein, only four to five net carbs, coming in at only 140 calories a serving. But I tend to want to eat the entire box. I like it a lot. Magicspoon.com slash stew. I think you will too. Grab a variety pack. Try it today. It's a cereal. It tastes like those cereals you remember as a kid, but it's a lot, lot different. Use the promo code stew at checkout. Save five bucks off your order. Magic Spoon is so confident in their product. It's backed with a 100% happiness guarantee. Uh, they'll refund your money. No questions asked if you don't like it for any reason. So go to magicspoon.com slash stew. Magicspoon.com slash stew. Save five bucks today. Magicspoon.com. Use the code stew. RFK Jr. is locking up the 90s television star uh, angle here. 100% of 90s television stars now voting for RFK Jr. as Alicia Silverstone has announced 
She is endorsing RFK Jr. She says she's no longer a Democrat. She's disappointed with political leadership. And of course, I can uh, see a lot of affinity with that particular point. Um, now, of course, Alicia Silverstone has been a you know, very active in the um, what some would call the anti-vax movement or the vaccine skeptical uh, movement for a very long uh, time. And so there's not really a huge surprise here. But, you know, RFK Jr., again, his, you know, I'm not a fan. I think we should go we should do a monologue maybe after vacation on RFK Jr. and who he is. If you're a conservative, if you're a liberal, there's a lot of things you like about him. Uh, if you're a conservative, there's like two things you like about him. And we should make sure we understand that agreeing with someone on two things would not necessarily make them president of the United States. He's really good on crypto, seemingly. Uh, and I like crypto, but, you know, I, I don't think you necessarily want to go down the road of RFK Jr. We'll go through some of his policies maybe after vacation. But in case you were waiting for Alicia Silverstone's announcement, you can now safely vote for RFK Jr. Anyone but Biden 24. It looks like a Biden campaign shirt. It most certainly is not. It's available now at StuDoesMerch.com. StuDoesMerch.com. The code is Stu10. Anyone but Biden 24. Even Alicia Silverstone can safely buy one.